that's the sort of shite that we're dealing with to try and get a Sony. Hello everyone, happy Christmas to all of you Detroitees, this is the Detroit Spinners podcast with Miles Pennell and Gary Forrestal. Hello. GF, how's it going? GF, the G-Unit, as yeah. I tried unsuccessfully to get myself known as at school. Um, yeah, it's um, it's not too bad mate, obviously we're recording this, well not obviously, I will reveal, we're recording this on the 22nd of December, we are kind of preparing for Christmas I think it's going to be pretty different for both of us we'll probably talk a bit about that this is effectively this is a Christmas special without it being a Christmas special we are going to do the normal bit just so you know we are going to review episode 37 but we'll chat about a bit about Christmas and stuff as well and it was Christmas well but, it, but it's Christmas that's why well I want to bring up first Miles got one of his presents sent to him from his mum I, I didn't get any presents from my mum and actually she did I know I I tell you, I, I lie she asked me if I wanted anything and she I said yes I and I got a pack of six plain t-shirts from next that's my present actually she, she did send me but um Miles got something a bit more flamboyant do you want to describe what size were they uh L. they're all me no medium I can stick it into medium but Miles is wearing something more let's say flamboyant avant-garde avant-garde i'd like to go with well she bought me um it's it's called a is it a slanket it's like a blanket and a hoodie yeah i said is it a onesie but it hasn't got legs has it it's like a onesie and it's got big pandas on and eucalyptus leaves do they eat eucalyptus or something like that it's really toasty really toasty and it's got like sheepskin interior i'm really hot right now (laughs) Yeah, I'm just sort of sitting, sitting here baking like a potato. It's like it's, it's anything when you get a present, and it's like I, I think you like that. I, I actually, he's a bit, he's a bit crazy, but I quite like it as well. My, girl, my but, girlfriend doesn't because it doesn't quite go with the room aesthetic. Well, and she's got the room aesthetic. Too. What? You, yeah, you don't keep pandas in the cage in the corner. No, it doesn't <laughs> go. With the, but um, but it's like a thing when you wear a present and you don't want to wear it, say because it's too hot or too small or two but you kind of forced to sit there wearing it and you, even if you're on your own and they've sent you the present you kind of wear it for a day or two out of out of sort of politeness. loyalty to the person getting you sort of politeness but they wouldn't know if you just chucked it away you know but i would suggest you take it off before we start doing the show fully because you're going to yeah, get really yeah. hot well, you, you right. will and i okay well let's stick i'm it drinking off. lots of water to to keep myself oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite strange <laughs> colored water um yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, do you remember when um, Cole Pilkington says, um, I think it's in the podcast, that he got a Christmas present from his aunt in Inora, and it was uh, a picture, of, it was a T-shirt with her face on it. Yeah. I really want that T-shirt. Oh, I want to yeah. know what her, what her face was like, and to have the arrogance of your face on the T-shirt as well. And Aunt Inora as well, with all the things yeah. that she's known for, like that she doesn't know she's known for. I'd love to just meet on. But yeah, that T-shirt, God, that'll be worth, not in like in polite sight, in normal sight, it will be worth nothing more than a T-shirt. But amongst all, us lot, you know, us two and all our, yeah. all our listeners, that would be, like if you yeah. did, it goes stratospheric. I think, well, actually, podcast news, guys, something that will be something of a, um early Christmas present for us is we're in early talks for basically the big rebrand, the big 
rebrand of the Detroit Spinners podcast because yeah. we're actually talking to Laurie Peters and his lovely partner about um having a, a refresh of our of our current branding and having something uh, obviously made by Laurie. So that's that's something early top secret news. Well, not that secret clearly. Well done. <laughs> But it's exciting stuff. So maybe we could get we could get some D trap spinners merch. Yeah. And be one of those I, annoying I, podcasts that has shit caps with oh, a little, little iron transfer on it. We and they charge fifteen quid. We could do like sweaters. I bought some merch from a, a, a chess uh, streamer that I watch. I went to the world championships where he was doing commentary. He was out for a cigarette. I met him outside. I, I was like I was wearing his shirt, which is bright red with his logo on, and oh. I, I pulled my shirt up like that. I was like, "Look, I'm, I'm," and it's like, "Oh God!" I, I wondered if that came across a bit creepy. I don't know, but I, 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 he was really I pleased. Love, I was I wearing. Love, love, love yeah, uh, we're we, we're not um, thinking of having a rebrand for the sake of it, just because we got talking to Laurie, and then he he's an artist, so we thought rebrand. We we've been thinking about a rebrand for a while. Um, we like the current um, artwork and things, but we probably we feel a little bit differently about it, and it's it's sort of I think it needs to grab you more without being like cliched, catchy, and kind of bright colours for the sake of it. Well, I'll tell you what, keep keep those T-shirts that your mum got. I can get some iron transfers and we can sell them. Yeah. And just sell your presents. Well, how yeah. are you going to put, what, just with an iron transfer? You'd have to. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I do. No, just get it down, iron that on, 15 quid. I love 60, that. You just said that. 60, 40 split, like my way. Combine that with the Patreon costs, he's, mate. He's we're we're going to get, I'm going to get at least a 15 kilogram turkey with that. I, I, I'm getting a little pooly, but um, I, I love when you said, I, I said like, oh yeah, you do, uh, how would you do the iron transfers? And you were like, it's what I do. Like so many things that like, as if like, oh, that's what I do. I, might, I do iron transfers, you know. Pretty, pretty. You, to, that's, you love that reply to anything. It's what I do. Oh, <laughs> you know, just, uh. Talking of what I do, something I do very well is discuss the introduction of, of this show. And that's because this week we discuss episode 37. This is, was originally broadcast on the 3rd of May, 2003. It's the Sony's this week, so make it a good one. Rockbusters today, Carl's got a message from someone wanting Steve to do some voiceover work, but didn't pass it on to Steve until a week later. I'll post a link to the original show in the description. And when you're ready, come back to us. All right. Right. So I always considered this show to be my favourite show of all time. Really? And I yeah. And but it was only listening to it again. And I thought it is, we've, we've said it so many times, but you look at these shows so differently when you're reviewing them. But for me, it's probably not my favourite show. I think why I love it so much is because it it means something because there's an award up for grabs here and and steve and carl really wants this to go well and you know he does sort of take the reins especially at the start with the the voiceover work chat which is that is brilliant chat you know and just to contextualize that steve, yeah steve's been off of voiceover work carl hasn't passed it on and and you get steve so annoyed because that is exactly the sort of work that he would love to see that ricky was probably being offered at the time <laughs> it's just she didn't say and i didn't ask of course she said of course she said it was is it kind of what she said we just called up because can you pass on the message yeah yeah what message <laughs> steve's right like what message there was no message because you didn't it didn't take a name or a number but it's funny i always think like think that this was back in 2003 wasn't it um steve had been on nothing he'd been on the office 
for a 15 second 20 second clip and he's been on a kind of local radio show i'm i am and he's got quite a weird sort of voice like now he voiceovers loads of stuff but back then i'm just surprised he was being offered voiceover work but i i i, I do that's my dream is to be offered voiceover work because you oh. know if as ricky says if you go in there for 20 minutes and it's thousands of pounds please i i wish i could do but you know <laughs> but what's steve done you, what would be your you, sort of brand that you would do um probably whiskers no, I, don't know. I, would, I would buy cat food on the, on the back of your voice, actually. Yeah, would you? Yeah, that's so a great quick to say to another man. <laughs> well, he has actually done in the subsequent years. Steve Merchant's done uh, adverts for Barclays, which I remember, Waterstones, and two commercials for Newcastle Brown Ale and for the Cadillac 2005 ATS Coup. Yeah, he's done a lot of things. Uh, I think he's done more than that. I'm pleased for him because he always wanted to do it and he didn't get that opportunity. And, you know, Carl's got a point, though, when he's like, it's not about running your voiceover work. Like, that that is a point because they do treat him like their second agent in a way. They would happily have him do agent duties. But then, to be fair, if you just get a message at XFM, you might as well take down their name. That's all you've got to do is write their name down and pass it on to Steve. But very funny. But there's this time and then it happens uh, later down the line, which we'll get to eventually. Because he goes, all right, 10 past 12, Thursday. All right, okay, just run around like a beep, sort and shit oh, yeah, out yeah. for you. Uh, I've got Jim Bennett wants to introduce the tin buckets. The tin buckets. I was, uh, <laughs> and I was just, just all these like calls go through. And, and then they resurrect uh, the um, the voiceover story, which is just, it's so quality when he does that. Yeah. Uh, but this this is the first mention and it's just it's lovely to you get these reoccurring stories that you know sow the seeds in early episodes and they just come straight back to you know carrying the lager like and it's, it's in this series that we kind of get those stories and they're still real whereas once you get a series three great series you know and, and it's got and it's real and it's so don't get me wrong series four is real you know it's very real compared with a lot of radio shows but Series two and one are particularly like raw for this kind of thing. You know, you get genuine stories. There is no embellishment to that story. That happened exactly like that. I think when stories are retold sometimes series later, they're kind of embellished and things. Like one thing that this isn't really about embellishment, but I've always noticed Cole tells the story about Ken Dodd differently. Uh. On two yeah. different occasions. I can't remember when the other occasion is. It might be on the podcast. He tells that story that first of all, this time he said his dad said, nice to meet you, Ken. He has also told that story. I said, nice to meet you, Ken. And it's not a case of lying or because neither story is particularly better than the other. I don't think he outwardly lied, but it's just misremembering that happens to all of us, I think. And it's you just misremember, even even though it's a fundamental thing, you'd think you could never misremember. Is it your dad or you that said that? But you do kind of over the years misremember. And that that's an example of it. But I don't kind of hold it against Carl. As I say, he's very real, but he does misremember things. He can piss pronounce here a lot of his worms. But I do have a little one of the features that they did try. Or I thought we'd give it a go here. Is that uh, what of what have I got in my pocket? Well, that's not. They didn't try that, but they. Oh, that was on the local radio station. So Gary, I'm asking you, what have I got in my pocket? Um, probably they're big. They're big. Big pockets. They're very I, depth. I know what it is. It oh, is specialist Polish sausage, which you love. 
because he's always <laughs> carrying that about. He'll just we'll be meeting at a pub and he'll just get out of his rucksack of this this really thick German sausage. It's kind of it's spicy. It smells kind, of, but it's really nice actually. He'll just go get oh yeah, I've just been carrying this around all day. So so that's my guess. Off from people's it's a sock for those oh. people. Home, it's, did you plan it's a, that and be like oh I'm going to put a sock in for this feature or did you just have a sock in there anyway? No, I, I planned that. that. It was a t- <laughs> Yeah, another so. one next week. No, that's it. I do actually have something. I do have another feature coming up, which I'm excited about. Highlights in a like this. I never say this is one of my absolute favourites, but it's up. It's right up there. I think next show is one of my favourites. So whenever I get to this one, it's always like in my head that 38 is next, and 38 okay. is the, the Gerald Preston. It's a good one. I think it starts off. They've clearly planned it, which is rare for them, but it's clearly planned. It's not scripted. But it is planned, you know, Steve and Carl, we're coming up with those stories. They've clearly talked about it off air and it's reminiscent of how it is all the time on the podcasts. Um, but it's fine. It, they, they did a bit of planning at the beginning. I think there's some lovely moments in it that aren't necessarily laugh out loud. But a lovely moment, actually, that I've always enjoyed is when uh, Steve goes, I suppose if I suppose if you could, you go back in time and change things. That, for me, isn't the most laugh-out-loud funny thing, but it's a lovely moment between Steve and Ricky. It's shared humour that they've obviously talked about that, and they have a hatred, naturally, and, and it'll be kind of something they've that's come up, of these stupid, meaningless phrases that mean nothing, like that people say, oh, well, if I could, I'll go back in time and change things. Yeah, it means nothing. Like, it's, it's such a meaningless phrase. You can't... We all know no one can go back in time. Yes, everyone would go back in time and change things. So it's, it means nothing to say. And it's just like a little, just the way Ricky laughs there and the way Steve says it, he does this sometimes where he knows Ricky will laugh. He uses inclination that's like, he absolutely knows Ricky's going to laugh along with this. And it's because they've obviously had shared moments about phrases like that off air. And I, I just, it's kind of an indirect window into their friendship, but it's, for me, that just that one little line. I know it doesn't seem like it, but go back and listen if you if you kind of just thinking what, what is he talking about. It, it speaks to their friendship. It speaks to me of that the, they're very good friends. The way Ricky kind of laughs and the way they go on a little story about that, like Hitler and things. It's obviously mm. something that they have talked about before, and it's not it's not kind of it doesn't jump out at you. But go back and listen. I promise you, listeners, you um, or you, Mars you hear that and just think it's it's lovely it's a lovely little moment between them something that's probably not as the significant point that you're saying but i they do sort of say i I wish that people could see what's happening when we turn the mics off because they are ridiculous you're talking about you know the missing xfm tapes or whatever i'd love i'd love to know what was going on in between records because even when we were doing our little radio pod like our little radio show locked out we yeah. Well, we got locked out loads of time, <laughs> but that, that was or we put a long track on because I want to have a cigarette. Champagne supernova was our <laughs> yeah. But it was more like I don't know. With us, we were just sort of sitting and listening to music. But with them, I imagine they're obviously they are going to be chatting away. But it's it's. Yeah, hu- no, we were chatting. Yeah, it's like seeing behind the curtain. But little. That's why I like that little moment, which doesn't appear. You know, at first, I'm sure you think, well, what? It doesn't. There's no. You're reading too much into that. But to me, little moments like that 
are like how they are off air. We all know that in general they are how they are on air, off air most of the time. That's why we love it. That's because it's kind of real. But they're obviously not exactly the same. But that's kind of a little. It's like a. It was like a little off air moment, but you yeah. heard it on air. I, I often wonder what happened to the video cam which I don't know if there was audio recording on it, but the video, that, there's hardly any of that video cam footage. Yeah, I know. In existence. What happened? Someone but then must it was, but the, frame, the frame rate was so fucking low. There's only, that, there's only that one clip of the Landauer sparkling wine and trying no, to... that's get recorded the, on their phone. Oh, yeah, it was actually. But no, you're right. Yeah, the webcam footage. But webcams were shit back then. You're no, talking about but, yeah. when, you know, we are phasing out fax machines, you know. I know, but so wouldn't it have just been interesting like, to see, even if you think of them as a series of photographs which they are because they're so it's yeah. so out of disjointed it's so well, un- I, just, I sort of wish that we game. could just see the studio and all of its glory but that's just nostalgia that's what nostalgia does to you something i do like about this some um, episode and a personal bugbear for me one of steve's reoccurring anecdotes is the cinema story where he goes to the cinema to watch x-men 2 which yeah. is a great film. That is actually a great film. That's probably one of my favourite comic book films. And great, great story. I know you're going to talk about that. Great. I, I love this story by Steve because I feel what he felt. He describes it so well that I are getting so pissed off. I It's like she's sitting next to me and then I've yeah. moved and sat in it because I'm getting so pissed off. But anyway, go on. What, what are your thoughts? No, you're, no you're, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's He does recount that story incredibly well. You know, everyone's been there. Classic observational comedy, re- really, really well told. But I've been in that situation so many times. I remember one time we were watching, oh, this is a bad story, a bad, terrible film. I'm like a fox in a cinema my ears perk up i'm suddenly fully aware of my surroundings i can it's full sensory experience for me cinema is where i go to chill out it's like well, my it's supposed to be. especially like, you know i'm really into my films yeah and that's i find it quite hard to switch off so for me the cinema is like almost like a spiritual like church like for miles, me like, miles I, worked for a quite a posh art house cinema for for a couple of years for two or three years didn't you you know and it, although that you earn about half of what you earn in your current job he did almost nothing he was just we would we would skype you know whilst he was on duty. mind you we still do that I, work, I worked on screen on the green in islington which is a beautiful art house cinema run by absolute thanks um but yeah beautiful cinema i spent a lot of uh, many many happy memories there and just sitting there watching films on shift and stuff so I, there well, is almost something like too- I know, I, I know where sounds come from. I remember me and Mum, we went to watch the Harry Hill movie <laughs> for some reason. Oh, that's not very good. We both love Harry Hill, but and, no. and obviously we're, we're, but no one's gonna go and watch that movie. We moved thrice, three times because there were people just eating popcorn. And it's one thing for me to move like of my own accord, which I have done. I remember I, I did that again for like the Lego movie too like i moved three times i but with my mum it was bad because i felt like i felt bad for my mum was it like on I'm screen on the green no this was nipswich i was gonna say because that's tiny. And, but it was it was like a mul- it was like a multiplex but it was yeah. so annoying like the fact that you have to move and also some places have allocated seating so you're like why should i have to move when i've sat here and it's just because these stupid idiots no totally i, I what's your gen because you, you are miles is a is a filmy um like me and uh no uh, no Mars well, is i loved- texted you the other day didn't i because i was i was waiting for news oh, to come on, and then king's speech came on one of the only films that gary's ever seen the last film fans of the fans of the show will know that already very yeah. unhappy day in my relationship as well we were arguing so much anyway um 
I remember it well. But what are your thoughts? Because obviously most people eat cinema, um, eat popcorn, you know, in a cinema when they know they're in public. They eat it. In my experience in the cinema, and I have been, you know, but years ago, they eat it fairly quietly. But do you, what do you, what's your thoughts? Do you think uh, popcorn should be banned to all films, not just Shinderzis, or do you think that's too much? I do agree with Steve. I don't know why. I, I mean, I know why that was because it's like fructose. It's it's corn. It's it's really cheap. You, you know, you'd be so surprised at how cheap popcorn is. I'm getting really geeky here because like cinemas are, 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 are my favourite thing. Um, when he's aroused, he's got that look in his eyes. <laughs> Do you want some Polish sausage? Oh yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> um, and um, no, yeah, popcorn is so cheap, like unbelievably cheap. I, I've got some stories off air which I'll tell you about, which I've sort of naughty stories. Uh, but the other ones. Naughty stories about popcorn. Maybe we'll do them on our Patreon show. I can't even <laughs> imagine what they are, but I'd like to hear your naughty but, stories. Like, you know, so like cover Patreon and we'll like, find out. But cinema shouldn't serve. I don't think you should encourage people. But then you know, cinemas, you've got to. Um, encourage people to go to the cinema spend money keep that industry going and it's so sad now because of covid i've really missed something something i've really missed under lockdown has been theater and the arts and and cinema i haven't been able to do any of that and you know don't you can watch films on your your laptop but for someone who loves to go to cinema nothing you know nothing i know i know yeah even i quite i i you know i get a lot of cinema when you're watching the king's speech on the big screen you're really watching the king's speech you're really seeing with a stammer you're really 3d (laughs) but there was another time we were watching um a brad pitt from ad astra and there was some noisy kids. And to be fair, it was my own fault. It was a view in Islington and it was only seven quid to get in. And they were sitting right at the front, to, th- four seats from that. And they kept running around and jumping around and snogging. Were, kids? were they like four, teenagers. five? Or t- teenagers. teenagers. Oh, I hate that. Teenagers. Yeah. Hey, haven't got that much money, but seven quid you can kind of afford. You go there, maybe one of you might sneak in a Red Bull and maybe a quarter bottle of vodka. And it's just, and I went out there and I got the motherfuckers kicked out. And I was so proud of myself. I missed literally half the film because I spent so much time trying to monitor this. Just monitor this. Why aren't you? I think, but then, you know, people in cinemas aren't getting paid. I will shut up about this eventually. People in cinemas aren't getting paid enough for this. You can't stew it every single screening. It's not enough of them. And people just don't get paid enough. Like it's not, it's not really fair. It's not logistically possible. But, but people usually, should. There's usually one, at least one yeah, on the door. Like you can get into the cinema. The point is what the sort of behaviour inside the screen. So what you need to do, people should just be respectful. Turn up, as have a pint of beer or whatever. Have some sweeties, have some like gummy sweets, no rustling. Sometimes go and have a pint of beer and leave your girlfriend in the cinema. I would never do that, Gary, so I don't know why you're saying that. I'm going to bring but... that story up in more detail in another podcast, <laughs> so I can tell you're annoyed about it. But, but no, I, I agree. You yeah, just mentioned that film um, Artificial Intelligence, yeah. which I would actually recommend because it is a brilliant overlooked Spielbergian classic. And uh, yeah, it's Ricky's like, How I think. How old does he get? He does sort of bully fat people a lot, doesn't he? Steve Merchant. Yeah, Steve has a real thing about fat. And I think, I always think that's because he's so incredibly thin. Like, he's literally the opposite. He's one of the thinnest people I've ever seen. If you, like, because he's so tall. 
Like if he was normal height, it would be about normals at the same weight. But he's so gangly and sort of. People oh yeah, nice. Steve Merchant does bully fat people. He he and he does want to bully fat people. But I think it's because he's. It's like you know, it's it's very hard for him to relate to even a normal weighted person. So to relate to a fat person, I think he just sees it as fair game to be honest. Because I, I think know, he's yeah. been bullied probably because of being thin. If you're mm-hmm. like as a man, like if you've got really thin arm you probably kind of bullied a bit for that so i I think he's kind of yeah he doesn't like fat people talking about sort of weird looking shapes and and stuff like that (laughs) i love one of my favorite quotes is do you think he looks all right of air then and we'll get we'll get we've we've got our favorite quotes coming up gary do you want to know um i was going to play a little game with you of who looks good bald carl's theory is you know you should you're good looking if you can look bald you could be good looking with hair which, by, by the way, that is kind of true. What Carl says there is, isn't coming from bullshit because he's told that by Cedric. I, I've like heard this before as well myself. It's a real sign of attractiveness to be able to, without hair, to still be attractive because hair you can do so much with. But it, if you've got natural, like strong cheekbones and things, you look good without hair. You, you, you do that with your hair, Gary. Just, just put your hands and cover your hair. No, no, no. Cover oh. your hair, the top bit. A bit more. Because I can see your hairline. You can't. T- you, you, won't, you won't be able to. Um, I think, like, I think if you have the beard, you'll still be pretty. Yeah. Um, I would never describe you as, as good looking. Would it, Mar- no, Mars and I wouldn't describe each other as good looking. We, we've got a real thing about that. Like, it's, uh, it, it is true. I think actually the one thing to do if you do lose your hair as a man, like progressively, is is probably to grow a beard. It's the one well, way out of it. And if you're a woman, just for balance. women don't go through male pattern bald loss you can get alopecia and things like that of course and it's terrible it must be it's horrible um what's the name of the presenter the scottish presenter who is it yeah girl she lost all her hair and it's kind of like it must be awful to go bald on a serious note it must be awful yeah and that's it yeah so we treat it sensitively but and women can go bald with alopecia but you know 98 percent of baldness is male pattern baldness which women don't that's that's fact as well that's that's fact check well i'm gonna yeah that is gary approved fact i have been using for the last five years or six years twice a day choose it twice a day not arrogant, not 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 self-centered, not kind of obsessed with how I look. But I've been using Hair Restorer, and I use it every day. And it, it doesn't restore hair, but it does stop it going back, and it has worked. So Why are you worried I've, about that though? Well, because I in my late twenties I started to lose a little bit of hair, but um. That's your hairline. No, but it was going to go back and back. If I did nothing, it probably would go back and back. And then it wouldn't look. I wouldn't like how it looked. Um, I, I was love just got these to... spiky cactus-like hair. I yeah, well, uh, but it, it would it wouldn't be here, mate, if I didn't use a spray. Anyway, God, who's who's track? Okay, so who looks good bald? I've got uh, five celebrities here, Gary. You tell me if they look good, good Harry bald, and, and I'll correct you. So number one, Colin Firth. Uh, yeah, I think you would. No, the uh, the correct answer is no. He wouldn't look good bald. Well, there's a correct answer to these, is there? Okay, I didn't realise yeah, that. Well, but can I just say I've done my research on yeah. these. Peter K. No, I don't think no, he would. The, the correct answer is yes, he would look good. Bald, Are you just he's got being deliberately antagonistic now? No, I'm I've done lots of research. He's got a lovely round head at the best of times, so he would look good bald. Tom Cruise, they mentioned him in the show. Would he look good bald, Gary Forrestal? Uh, I don't think he would necessarily look that good. 
The answer is true. He does actually look quite good. Ball Just on a little side note, what do you think about Tom Cruise's little run? You can cut it all out if it's boring, but... I thought it was outrageous. As a, as a filmy, yeah, as, it's outrageous, so, yeah. So there are two ways you can look at this. I'm glad you mentioned this, actually, because I posted it on our, like, internal work Slack notes, and I said, look at this. This is, like, classic behaviour of workplace so arrogant. And I was, I was so shocked by it, but then my colleague, right, he said... No, good on him. Fair enough. And it's like, that wasn't my point about the whole thing. No one should be speaking to someone like that. Full stop. Especially when they've got so much power and you, the person is undoubtedly effectively powerless against him. That's what annoys me with people like that, with Tom Cruise doing that, because he he's basing it in something that is true. Everything that he said is unjustified, but he is basing it on something that's OK. Yeah, it's true that you should be careful about covid particularly now on film sets and it's true that he tried to make it like he was like an eco warrior saying oh you know people are people are losing their livelihoods in the in the film industry and it's because it's people like you so he's kind of trying to play on those little i hate people who do that they take something real and genuine and just and add it to an unjust argument to come up with a straw man and shove it out at people and it's classic i've heard i've heard who's the british actor who played a young he, i think he played batman I, i'm not very but there's a british actor christian bale yeah is it christian bale who had one of these rants as well or is I it the other heard one? It, but he's yeah, he uh, british he played batman you, if that's a point to raise there's a genuine point you as the star just take them to one side and say by the way you just maybe don't do maybe don't do that because and it, and it is really important because people you know in the wider picture is we're, we're losing films to this virus so you know try not to do that he does have skin in the game though because he's also like exec producer you know he's hey, a big name in Hollywood despite game. his acting credentials you're right that is disgusting behavior you should just know better we talk about you know pretty patel talk about bullying people and i bet it goes on internally in, in and and every and yeah. and I just think oh, I just I really was so shocked when I heard that and it's it's a horrible thing for someone to feel like that yeah because Tom Cruise has always given me the impression I'm, I get into Scientology thing it's very controversial I'm, I actually I have my ex girlfriend my longest I was gonna say longest serving ex girlfriend but my <laughs> the girlfriend I have for longest was raised as a Scientologist but um. Which, which is yes it's strange that genuinely is is the case is Scientology stuff is is weird and nutty and it's not good but I never kind of saw Tim Cruise I could I always imagined him being quite friendly on set to people who are low down oh, yeah you know? yeah but sometimes people come across well in interviews and you think yeah you're such a dickhead in real life I can just tell by the way you're answering that question Tom Cruise not so much like but he's obviously weird um what's what's the name what's his ex-wife kt holmes like oh, yeah. people like, there was all these memes when they split up like oh, she she'd be rescued from the nazis basically you know she she was fine she was out of this torturous relationship anyway that is not fact that is not a gary approved stat i can't i can't say for sure that tom cruise gives you bad relationships so i'm not saying that tom cruise if your lawyers are listening actually do you know what the best thing for us would be to be sued by someone like tom cruise imagine the publicity yeah. We'd have to give that forty. How much money have you? What have you got in your pocket? What well, we got money? three quid from Patreon. <laughs> on yes, yeah, it's your next one. I wanted to ask you that as a film person. So no, I, no, no. It, I appreciate. But, but to bring it back to something serious, uh, Tracy Emin, would she get look good, bald? Oh, great cheekbones. She'd look great. 
False. She wouldn't. Okay. Sorry and about the last, that. <laughs> the, last, the last one is Dame Ellen MacArthur or that woman in the boat. Strange one to pick. Um, yeah. She'd look all right. I'm not going to criticise Dame Ellen MacArthur. She's, you know, she's done more than I've done. So she, she, I think she'd look all right. You're right. She would look actually good bald. Well done. You got one out of five. Wow. It's amazing. That was that was part of our Christmas game trivia Christmas night. Ga- oh, that was our little Christmas game, was it? Something that I do really like about this episode, when you do get a sense of the real people, if you will, is Ricky at the say at the Selfridges golf simulator. He's he goes to a Selfridges, which is a big posh shop in London. If you're an international uh, listener. And there's this golf simulator there, which is worth an incredible amount of money. He at first is reticent to sort of try and have a go and, you know, take a swing and, you know, throw some balls into a net. But he's then encouraged and pushed on by these two sales agents. And he says, and I did, I did my best. I really tried my hardest just because Ricky's ego is one of that, that he can't stand to think of, you know, someone think of him as a failure. Well, that line at the end of that, and he says, I had to. And that is just, and Steve says it, so we don't need to say it, but he says that just sums you up. That really does, if anything, does, all of know, the XFM stories, that sums Ricky Gervais up, doesn't it? It sums him up really well. But the other thing that sums him up, included in that story, that is not within it, but is part of it, is his retelling of it. Because what sums him up, as well as the facts of the story being true, is that he is more than willing to tell it exactly as is true. Not 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 kind of pretend he didn't try more than he did or not kind of try and couch it in any anything more more um, that looks better towards him. He tells it. He retells it in a very honest way. And that, as well as the story summing up Ricky Gervais, sums up Ricky Gervais during <laughs> that period. He's willing to tell those stories, and uh, I, I, I love him for it, you know, because he doesn't, he doesn't protect, he doesn't take himself seriously. He says, you know, he says exactly what he says. So that'd be embarrassing. In if you think like, externally to say at the end, I had to that he said to his girlfriend. Yeah. You know, most people wouldn't say that, I don't think. But he, he I'm not saying no one would. But what's that bit at the end as well? He says, "Gotta get a cab." To my back in. And um, my main thought was obviously Ricky's fucking loaded at this point. I was thinking, he flash fuck. <laughs> I couldn't afford. <laughs> I was no. just thinking the whole time, I would probably, you know, put on a face and jump on the tube. <laughs> he would. Mars doesn't get cabs. Like, I would get a cab. Not because you I, would. But, um, I, Mars would get. Mars would go on the tube or run or something. He, that's true. You know, whenever we meet, he never gets cabs anywhere. Like, when we meet in Brian, we from what to. Pub that's quite far from the station. And you because you hate walking. No, 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 no. I would always get a cab back, you know, ideally. But I walk because Mars walks, and it is cheaper. And I, I'm not flash or anything. I don't have loads of money, but I just like getting cab. And uh, but Mars is very honest there. He he genuinely doesn't get cabs. Like even if it's a long way. I we went to see Stuart Lee. I got, ended up getting a cab like about <laughs> London to, to to get back to my. That still I'm, makes you laugh because there was we'd, we'd we'd gone past the time, haven't we? We were, we were drink we were drinking in pubs till late. That was a good night. Oh, back when we could go to drink. I tell you what, and just something I think because we want to move on and do our favourite quotes and um, some points and and you do too. But uh, whilst we're on the subject of pubs and towards the end of the episode, this is when I do start to sort of drift off and stop listening. It's because when Ricky talks about 
Now, Steve, Steve starts to talk about people who have annoyed him and nominating someone who annoyed him at the tube said, oh, that's dangerous. Yeah. When there's a, a clearly signposted sign and she doesn't hear the sign, la, 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 la. But Ricky talks about that nurse who's a fan of his. Mm. And the shows don't make me cringe so much now because I know exactly what's coming up next. But mm. that story, I actually can't listen to. It's just a notable point for me because I, I actually have to stop listening because... It makes me want to crawl into a hole because I just can't be the in that story about the, the story of the, the nurse. nurse who goes up to her and says, oh, we fucking loved you. like, And it's just so tacky because you just know someone like that who would be that sort of person to approach someone famous and say, well, fuck it. I thought I liked you. Well, I was being polite. You know, I said hello. Like, you annoyed at Ricky or this? No, no I'm, I'm annoyed more at the woman, but it's. Yeah, because I it's, am. It's something about his retelling of it because I, I don't know. You, I don't know it's what it is. It's a very good reteller of stories. It's like, a really good reteller. It's annoying because it's just like, yeah, I, I just, I, it makes me, I, I can't even explain it. It really makes me just wince and just, yeah. I don't know. And then it's forget a real, bag and having to go back. Yeah, and, no, it's a real skill of Ricky's. And it's not just about the words you use in what order you use them. It's about everything. It's about the pauses. They're just, and, and again, it's not profound. He's not doing it. It's not scripted. It's not a soliloquy, but, Ricky is very, very good. I've got a point about it, actually. I'm some, uh, related in this show. He is excellent at putting you in that space that he's describing and making you feel waver. Still, Steve's good as well, which is why the cinema, I get an, I get as annoyed as he would have been. But um, Ricky's very good at placing you, and he's very good at retelling that story, and he doesn't kind of couch it. I, I love... Oh, it's in favourite quotes, but I might as well. Nice of her to clean up her bad language, which is very funny to <laughs> Steve, because obviously Ricky's only doing that for the radio. But yeah, it's a very... I've never got the thought that I can't actually listen to this. I, it's never annoyed me that much, but it does It does annoy me. But certainly Ricky's reaction doesn't. And I, you know, we, we criticise Ricky a lot now and how arrogant he is kind of comes across more... But I can imagine how it must be like, it, don't get me wrong, it must be brilliant to be famous. Yes, I'd like to be famous. I'm not going to lie. We all would. And not in a, you know, in a sort of really ultra arrogant way, but in in, no, in some. Yeah. But it must be really annoying. Like you can't go anywhere with that. Because sometimes you're like some people shouting at you in the street, nice things. It'll be lovely. It'll like give you a boost. But other day, you know, these days you go out and we both have them, right? You just don't want to talk to anyone. You just don't want oh any God. interaction. You don't want a supermarket. You go to self-service checkout, even if you've yeah. got a lot of things, because you just don't want any interaction. But if you're fake, if you're injured, everyone must keep either saying things to you, or it must get annoying. And also, like he's he's under. It's like, and that's it's that, it's that thing in life, isn't it? If you don't like someone ordinarily, you just cut them out of your life. You never have to speak to them again. But if you're if you're rich and famous. Everyone knows who you are, and you can't really ignore anyone because you're you world can. famous. Yeah. No, you no, can. you, you can been... ignore them, but but yeah, but you pick and choose your company, don't you? When, like, say me and you, when we go to a bar, right? We we get we've got a particular. I don't know, I don't know what it is about us, but we've got a particular aura that we attract weirdos, and that is just the thing about us. We do attract weirdos. Yeah. Guitars. A few. Little. little Drugs, a lot of drugs involved. Drug lords, um, people who were offering three. No, we're really interesting I, as well. I'll just say we had like this guy who had a number three hit in like nineteen ninety two, a sort of dance. Oh hit. yeah, right. I can't remember who it was, but <laughs> no, but he was he was an interesting guy. And we were talking about um, what's his name who just died of an overdose. 
Keith, Keith, I can't remember who it was, but anyway, it sounds it sounds horrific like that chat. But I, I'm you make your you make your politeness and you make your excuses and go. But we, if we ignore people. If we ignore people, it means nothing beyond ignoring people. We wouldn't ignore. We 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 interact with the people if they interact with us, and sometimes we initiate the interaction. Okay. What would you say if a fan of the Detroit Spinners approached you? What would you say? Um, <laughs> it, it was is it FLJS or not? We got something about FLJS coming up. You know, he's he served his ban. Anyway, we'll come come to that in XFM in the community. But yeah, we can in, we can ignore people in the pub, and it doesn't like. But if you're famous, you must constantly be thinking, well, I don't want to give a bad impression of myself. And I guess eventually you kind of have to, because like if we ignore people, it would be a bit rude, because the vast majority of people in pubs that we don't interact with us, it's just that some do. So to ignore them would be a bit you could only just ignore them well what about that woman in uh in brighton who put green food coloring into our drinks on st paddy's day oh well she um she'd look good bald <laughs> no, she, she she was quite a bit again yeah she she we we got our drinks dyed without our consent <laughs> it, it was you know it was it was nice it was that the day it snowed anyway it was it was, it was freezing it was yeah weird. but um but yeah it, it it's fine but no one's going to go to the papers, are they? And say, oh, Gary, no one cares what we do. But if you're famous. I, I cared. Like six pounds I paid for that, that, bot, that Aspals. Food. Yeah, but then I was thinking, oh, she was attracted. I, I probably let her. Oh, my God, my English is dreadful. But, um, yeah, so the overall point is that it's... Don't ever be rich and famous. <laughs> Don't ever be rich and famous. One of the things uh, about Ricky that we just came up then is how good he is at placing you in, in in a scenario. And there's a good example of it in this show. And you might listen to this 10 times and just just kind of glide over it and not think anything of it. And I, I did. But I, I realised when I was listening back to this how good he is at doing this without you noticing it. And it's when he says he's talking about Carl getting bored of Carl or not getting bored of Carl. And he... He comes out, he says, uh, you know, it's like how is when someone says, how are you getting on with Tomb Raider? I don't play it anymore. That is, I think that's such a good example of excellent rhetorical skill because Ricky's not a big video gamer, like, but he, come, he came up with that. The subject of getting bored with Carl came up. But instead of just saying, I don't get bored with Carl, I don't get bored with Carl, he places you as a listener. He takes you into that example using a relevant, like realistic example that lots of people have gone through some or something similar. He He's not planned. He, he comes up with it straight away. Doesn't seem like anything, but just and do this. You know, you can still think I'm talking rubbish, but go go back and have a listen to it. How clever it is. It, yeah, it's not the best thing in the world. It's not the best thing he's ever done. It's not like The Office, which was scripted and brilliant. It's it's like saying how people saying how are you getting on with Tomb Raider. I haven't played it anymore. I think that really shows a lot of skill of Ricky that is unseen and goes on behind what we see we know when he laughs and it's really funny we know when he says something that's really funny but he's very good at placing you in the story there's other examples of it throughout the entire all the series of the show that we're reviewing it, you know he'll suddenly go into character and play two two people you know and ha- have a dialogue between himself to kind of put you in a in a scenario he's very very relatable that is what that speaks to his skill as a writer you have to be like that to be a writer and to observe things and it's only a little example and you might think oh you're making too much of that it's just all he said was you know uh, you know it's like people saying Tomb Raider and I know it's not the 
most entertaining thing in the world, but it's not supposed to be. But it's it's very good. Like every time I listen to that, before I thought about this, it places me exactly what exactly what he wants to get across. I know exactly what he means. I knew what he means before because you know what he means by not getting bored of Carl. As an audience, we're not stupid. We do understand what that means in general. But him using those little examples and of going into quick little dialogue, just he's he's very skillful at that. And it's something it's a point that I wanted to raise. And I would urge people to go back and listen to those things. You still think I'm talking rubbish, but I I, I think that he is. This is a great example of his skill as a as a storyteller. I do I do sort of understand what you mean because to like what I was saying with the nurse story, that story could be directly copy and pasted and plugged into extras, which came a lot later. I've been on the Reddit threads recently, and it just seems that there's so much like hatred towards um Ricky Gervais and his career now, and he seems to have yeah, we, lost, we've lost that fun. magical sparkle, that sort of classic observational thing. And I don't know, the more and more I think about it, I think, I don't know, was Ricky like a one-trick pony with, with The Office? A lot of people no. think that the beauty of The Office was down to Steve, which I don't believe that for a And can I just say, I don't believe he's a one-trick pony either. Absolutely not. Because, because that's just, that's insane. We, we've talked a lot about this, and I know I'm interjecting, so you can finish what you're going to say, but I, I just wanted to come in at this point, because, you know, we won't go into the everything we think about Ricky Jay, because we, we listen to our back catalogue we have talked about it before but it is relevant that you know i'm surprised people in the reddit friends don't like him basically people who love the office and love the xfm show that's the ricky gervais show on xfm aren't his audience anymore he has a huge audience ridiculously large number of twitter followers but his audience are different they are people who are either on the right um anti-free speech you know they're getting in this a gateway he's like a gateway into the far right he is not far right at all but he's like a gateway and that is his audience and that's what he wants as his audience now he doesn't the people who were his audience aren't we're we're not his audience now but i definitely don't think he's a one-trick pony he is still i'll say to this day i still sum him up as a genius for what he he's done with the office and the ricky gervais show that we love that we really it's a really sad it's a really sad thing though and sad i think think it's a really sad thing though to go we're not his audience anymore it's like i know you know it's it's almost like it's almost like the, the child has gone to university and left the parent that's that is what it's like at this stage yeah i wouldn't use that analogy because that 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 implies sort of personal growth and going away from your roots whereas i think ricky's is more calculated and it's kind of it's a tactic to kind of attract that kind of audience but he's still don't get me wrong even to this day i would see some clips of ricky gervais and think oh god he's really funny he's like he's still funny he's not like he's suddenly i like he suddenly lost it it's just that he takes the serious part of his work and his he he his mission in his head is to be a serious philosophical um, uh, guider to, you know, to guide people to the right, you know, off, off of religion. And so it's a bit sad. I mean, it's very sad that we're not his audience anymore. We're certainly not his audience anymore. Whether what I don't know for sure is whether he, 
he would want people like us as his audience now I'm, i think he probably wouldn't say just dismiss us and say well we i don't care you know he, he's a he's in media he and he's right to think this he's this is understandable by the way that he wants as many fans as possible we all do like, any, anyone would want as many fans as possible but i think that he sees his fans from this era that we're going through office and the xfm show as not really being part of what he considers to be his brand anymore and well it's kind of it kind of does it kind of does it is understandable because it's that whole difficulty of the second album i remember i'm a big fan of you know naughty's music and you know early naughty's indie music and i remember i knew every word to the arctic monkeys whatever people say i am album yeah and i could still easily recite to you every single word of every single song of the, of that album and now what is and, and when, yeah yeah it's great and yeah, um it's good but with the next album everyone's like oh i don't know about this like, and then with the next album people are like oh really don't know what to make about this and now people are sort of coming around and you realize that it's just musical evolution and maybe it is this and and now i'm i'm still a huge art to monkeys fan i love them right they're just different but they are different because it was that time in my life, which was like those formative years. I was like eight. No, I was, God, I was younger than that. Like 16 when that album came out. And it really meant something to me now. But I and think they would want the same fans that they had back they then. They do, but Ricky now, Gervais, it will be a bit different because Ricky Gervais is kind of moving with the times. But I think he's moving. He's moving. I think he's, the, uh, he's moving with the uglier elements of the times. That's, the that seems elements. a good way yeah, of putting it. I'm right on, online. So there's such a huge rise in right-wing online media uh, when barack obama was elected president in 2008 all you saw on youtube and i was glad for it it was people the only people who had an online presence were people on the left people who were happy he was elected fans of his and it's not because i'm consuming that media so that's all i was checking you know i i keep my eye out for everything and there was nothing the rise since then steadily since 2008 of of the far right online which ricky gervais isn't i don't think he is but he is a gateway to it i think and he he's kind of stepped in line with some of the uglier elements of society uh and online culture you know you, you take a grain of truth to something that that could be true and and something that oh there probably are a bit too many pc rules in some respects a lot of it's a lie there isn't but some of it some of it's and you but you create a movement around it and that's how you bring people in and he's at that stage he's not at the stage where he is saying outwardly racist things he's not and i don't i believe the racist things he said on the xfem show are purely for humor and there's, you can debate whether that's ever legitimate but I, I think that it was then it's not a sign that he's uh, inwardly racist and he's not but he is he's gone into lockstep with ugly elements of online culture and society he's at the lower end of culpability absolutely compared with some people but he's you know this to, uh, to be look I am I don't I'm not religious and i tend to when you take when you take that big when you take that big cross off your neck then it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a yeah no i'd i'd have a torah wouldn't i <laughs> um, but so i'm not religious and i what he says to me about religion at first appealed to me and it still appeals to me I, I still agree with it but it's the way he pushes it in line with things that are 
actually about you know he's pushing stories that aren't well, true i feel like they're the same about anyone who's religious or, or not religious if you're if you're religious fine and but if you're not don't push i feel the same way about that just don't push it down people's throats everyone should have their own individual private beliefs and you know in an ideal world we'd all sort of quietly get on with each other and obviously it only really becomes an issue when there's like extremist stuff like that but it's it's like he's so eager to push his his atheism down people's throats and it's just like why do, why do you surely if you've made that point you've made that point we get it we, you don't need to keep telling them it's not that you need to persuade anyone everyone yeah. knows that the only reason you would do that and it's interesting we're having this discussion because i imagine this year around the christmas table there will be lots of discussions like this you know the anti-vaxxers the, well, the well, anti the anti-maskers you know the that's, conspiracy that's an and and i think i think there will be people like that round past us the sprouts oh did you know that you know 5g mobile masks cause coronavirus that that kind of rhetoric and, and opinion and belief is like one step from where ricky gervais is he would i don't think he'd push things like that but it is on the gateway it's on the path that ricky gervais is on you get from maybe a slightly legitimate criticism in your head about uh, one or two rules in life that were too PC, but you get from that to anti-vax and you get from that to um, pushing other right-wing conspiracy theories, anti-maskers. So it's, I don't think there'll be a lot of discussion about that because I think around Christmas tables, because one, there aren't, there aren't going to be many Christmas tables that are that full this year. But I think that, it's so ingrained in younger people in general that that's a load of bullshit that I just don't, I just don't think people will even try that. that well, one would, one would hope, Hey, I, I guess I'm something to, uh, <laughs> if that was a bit of downbeat for you guys, a uh, happy Christmas and that. This is nothing to do with anything we talked about. It's nothing to do with depressingness, nothing to do with, but please, can you clear up either listeners or you clear this up for me because I have heard this and probably this episode I've heard well certainly north of 20 times so I've heard the whole episode George Clooney does look good of hair that's not we're not going to get on to the hair objectivism please clear this up it's just a little moment but every time I hear it I think what what I don't get that like I don't understand and he it's like he's forgotten that we didn't hear the bit of the conversation you need for this it's where they come back from a break and he says uh, are now arguing like nutters and that's fine that bit and then he says still arguing this time about having help from me and my dad what good the one. hell good one. is good that one about? good cliffhanger to end Do you know break do you know email us spinnerspodcast at gmail.com i don't but they can always tweet us at spinnerspodcast we'll see you after the break with our favorite quotes annex he's been censored going really did want to say thank you we've we've created a patreon page we've mentioned it a few times and um we're going to put out bonus shows for patrons and we expect well i expected no no sign up but we've got a few people who've signed up and um really really grateful to all of you we've mentioned who they are in the past but we've had some new people sign up since our last show so mars what are their names 
So we've got Sean Wright, who is the D-Trial T. We've got Robert Banks, and we've also got Jesse Araju. So thank you oh, so cool. much for... um. Uh, and also, can I just say, whilst we do have lots of Patreon uh, Christmas special, which we're going to be recording soon, coming up, and we're going to have our various Christmas Day uh, celebrations, but I think Gary and I, we're going to record something special on Boxing Day, which is we're actually going to review... Something a little bit different. We're going to you know, veer away slightly from the XFM shows and we're going to review the Radio 2 specials that they recorded for um, in, in place of Jonathan Ross. And they basically did a set of two shows for Christmas Day and New, New Year's Day. Uh, so, so that's something to look forward to, you know, before we enter 2021. Yeah, what was it? Uh, 2021. Still, still here. Still there. I can't believe our luck. Uh, um, yeah, favourite quote. So, yeah, I usually say five aside is good. Um, I've got got about seven. Well, you've already mentioned you you've already mentioned the um, the bit of the story which we love. But my favourite bit from that story is not what you said. That it's. Ooh. Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh. Uh. So I put that. Oh, oh come on. The timing's brilliant. It's right there then. The unscripted timing of that is just brilliant. Fantastic. It's yeah. just perfect. Why uh, didn't you get your mum and your dad to clean the flat? Yeah, I, I do like that. This is actually, this is an example, a very rare example of a Ricky non-laugh. Some, uh, it's, it's very few occasions. There's things Ricky doesn't laugh at during the show, but there's very few occasions where a line is said that is absolutely in the style, the substance, in every way, a line that Ricky would laugh at, and he doesn't laugh. Um, I can think of one more other than this, but this this is, um, it was ages ago, which is like to, to, to kind of come up with a story of why it would be okay to have a monkey working on a, on a railway station. <laughs> because it was ages ago. You know, that everything screams to me, everything that I know about Ricky screams to me he would laugh at that point, but he doesn't. He kind of screws up his paper. He's just like, oh, he's so shocked. But there's other things, there's other lines where he's shocked at what Carl says and he laughs like a hyena. The only other one I could think of was there's no car at pump four, which is my favourite line, which Ricky doesn't actually laugh at. So anyway, if you listeners have got any other examples of Ricky non-laughs, let us know. What's your next one? So there's a couple of great swears in this episode, and it's all because... <laughs> the, the, there's, you know, the surprise of a Sony, surprise of a Sony in the foreground. So he says, "That's the sort of shite that we're dealing with to try and get a Sony." And then he also follows it up with, "Think of this, you little snaphead twat." Yeah, just, and I just think it's brilliant. Just think of people from the Sonys listening. Like, I, I'd love it, but you know, I don't think they would, and they obviously didn't. I've already said this line, but it's within my favourite quotes. So I'm going to say it again. I suppose if you could go back in time, you'd probably change things. Yeah, such a such a non a thing that people say. If anyone ever says that to you, they they've got nothing to say. They can't think of anything. Mention that actually in like series zero when they say um if you're ever caught at a house party and someone starts talking about nostalgic programs they used yeah, to watch in their yeah. childhood that's when you should just like go that's when you know you yeah that's it. another example of these these little built-in kind of mechanisms people have for coping in situations where they can't come up with conversation or they can't they can't participate in social yeah. life how was he again i think i'm getting the rough deal here though that's a brilliant like it just shows his comedic talent again he doesn't the way he says it like there's a pause he leaves it and he kind of goes 
I think I think you know he kind of almost that does that deliberate kind of not deliberate but that kind of stutter that actually that actually makes what you're saying more funny and more profound. Yeah, very very funny line. Love that line. In fact, I've got that. Nice of to clean up for bad language. I'm using all ones I've already used in the show, so I. I I've it's got... hard to it's hard not to do that though because uh, there was now on last night because that was when Carl. <laughs> there was now on last night, so that's an excuse for Carl to then talk about ridiculous things with Suzanne. Like, what kind of face would you like? Yeah, yeah, if you very, very sheep. Well, someone who I don't let down are the listeners of this show. Very good, very good, very good. And very good for this show as well. Um, yeah. You know if you're good looking or not. Come on, come on, Steve. Come on, Steve, yeah. Come on, Steve. He, he just pauses a bit and he goes, come on, Steve, like... Like let's let's use the example of the least good-looking person I know, which most people wouldn't do no. in society. Um, I've just got one more. It's not my favorite. Actually, it's, it's pretty good. It's practical word. There you go. And that was our favorite quotes. <laughs> Miles just did one twice, but we cut it out because he forgot. <laughs> but then I did on the um, XFM song list or whatever it is that we pick songs. I forget what I put in and just put the same thing in. So I can't blame you, mate. But there you go. Um, so that was our favourite quotes. If you've got favourite quotes of your own from the episode, let us know. Tweet us, email us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. But now we've got my favourite feature, XFM XFM in the community. We should say it properly. Like, actually, this uh, yeah. XFM in the community. Um, I think you should but- actually record a jingle. Maybe we should do one in the future. If a yeah. 2021... New jingles for the Detroit Spinners podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> See, Addy. <laughs> you need to buy a new one of them. It is, How cheap was that? Just, just to say, sorry, just to say, this is where we go for your feedback, comments, suggestions. Please do leave them for us on email and Twitter and Instagram and all the places you can. Um, we love hearing from you. Mars, what's the first one? So this one is from Rob, who is uh, one of our new Patreons, as I mentioned. Oh, thank you. Hi, guys. I am really enjoying the podcasts. I got through your podcasts in a week or so after finishing the Richard Anderson episode. I think that officially makes you a DTRT. I thought the interview with Laurie Peters was absolutely brilliant insight oh. and the best episode so far. So do I. I thought a lot of those earlier episodes were shit. So what's wrong uh, with... I think... yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, what's wrong with the other <laughs> ones, please? That's I a big thing. When you say, yeah. uh, you say, do you, do you like the blue dress or the red dress? I like the blue dress. What's wrong with the red dress? That's a very sort of Jewish like little. I think the nice part of it was hearing some further validation to some of Carl's stories from the past. Some people think Carl's and that. I think that episode is the greatest counter to that argument. One quick point I would like to raise is that I think Laurie slightly played played down the relationship of Carl and Ricky. Laurie described the relationship like two work colleagues who had gone their separate ways and have therefore not uh, spoken anymore. If that was the explanation for Card and Steve, I think it would make sense perfectly on even Steve and Ricky. But Ricky regularly talks about calling Carl almost every day in the podcasts. The fact that he spent Christmas Day with Carl, did weekends away with Carl and was a bit obsessed with Carl. Ricky describes Carl as his best friends on a number of occasions. I like the point made a few weeks ago in those podcasts about how they are both from working class backgrounds that have much older siblings. I actually think Carl would have been a great person to keep Ricky grounded as well in the rise of his career. I completely understand that work relationships can fizzle and I think Ricky and Carl did or still have a much deeper relationship. I know you have mentioned not being a massive Derek fan but I would urge you to watch some of the outtakes of series one as you can see Carl genuinely having a a really good 
uh, laugh with Ricky. He looks genuinely yeah. really happy, which made me question why he didn't do the second series slightly. Finally, when people go on to say how Steve was the brains behind the office or vice versa, or how Steve provides this, Ricky provided that. I think a point that is sometimes a bit missed is when Ricky makes a project now. I don't think anyone is there to say a joke isn't funny. I disagree with you for that. Let's redo that scene, etc., etc. What made them best was that you could bounce from one another. It is about the individual input for me, but the way each of them got the best out of one another and complemented each other perfectly. I really look forward to more content and would love to hear about what you think of those points. Gary, thoughts? Rob? Thank you for your email, um, and thanks very much for becoming a patron. Uh, really interesting, really interesting set of thoughts. It's, it's made me think, and I always say this, that my favourite listener emails are the ones that make me think, even if initially I don't agree with what's being said. But actually, in, in this uh, occasion, I do I do tend to agree I, with I you. emailed the show and said it was a load of shit. I, I, and I agreed with you straight away. So that's all fine. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly just to work backwards, the point about Ricky and Steve, I totally agree. Steve isn't the brains behind the office. The office is clearly largely Ricky, largely, but Steve is an absolutely vital vital cog in that will and he does lend it of warmth i'm sure it's warmer than it would have otherwise been with just ricky and that's a really good way to to phrase it rob that they bring the best out of each other it's a well-known phrase but i just have never really used that phrase before when describing ricky and steve back in that period but you're, you're right they do bring the best out of each other it's rare that you get that two people who really can bring the best out of each other because the office is the best of ricky i mean it would be the best of anyone that created it is so good it's certainly the best of steve and they they really drew it out of each other you know since then they've done some things which i think are okay good not so good good but nothing goes above the level of good and they've done some bad films you know and that was on that it really showed they dragged the best out of each other in a way that you cannot sustain doing. So I don't blame them for not doing things as good as The Office. And yeah, about what Laurie said about the relationship between Ricky and Carl. Well, that's interesting you mentioned that because they, yeah, they did spend Christmas together. And this would have been the first, no, the second Christmas that they ever knew each other. It's a big thing to spend Christmas with. So especially, you know, you might have, I'm spending Christmas with a friend this year, but it's a friend I've known 10 years. And after one Christmas, they spent it together. And I don't think they've gone on weekends away. Correct me if I'm wrong. They might have since then. They've together in season four. Yeah, but at this time, at this period that we're we're at right now, I don't think they have. But yeah, you're right. They did go and play golf and probably did a few other things but carl's always said because when ricky when he's going on holiday and he's really pissed off and he's like do you want me to come he's like no oh. it is sad and that makes it sadder though those facts that they were so close i do see it as kind of like a, a work colleague relationship and i've had relationships with work colleagues that have been so incredibly close and thought this person's going to be i'm going to be friends with for the rest of my life always and then you lose touch and it's very sad. But I think that's kind of what's happened with Ricky and Carl. And part of it, I don't blame Ricky because he is he's allowed to live in America mate, or, or spend a large part of his time in America. He's allowed to be incredibly busy with his work. He's paid to do it. People want it. So he's not always going to have time 
to meet up with Carl. But I do think it's sad. It it's sadder because of things like them spending that Christmas together and because of the little games that they talk about playing with the egg. I think it's really hard as well because when I think about I always think it's really hard to make friends in your 30s because there's always that thing of you know Carl says it as well Well, you make it's right yeah so you make most of your friends before like me and you like we're we're pretty good friends I like to think (laughs) yeah No, but there are friends who started work and I'm like, oh, I really like you. And I I would hope that we're going to be friends for a long time. And they're interesting and they keep you engaged and you get on well and maybe you go out socially and it's not completely awful. But it's it's possible entertainment. But but, you know, the past, I I think I've made a lot of my good friends I've made in hospitality because you were all in the same boat you were all in that same struggle of, of things and it really bonded you as a group other than that and in and and in my job now i've got like a sort of serious adult job now and i kind of feel weird saying that but it's it, you met friends at the that. cinema didn't you because you yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that's, that, that was oh, so, yeah that's, that's those hospitality jobs i think in office jobs i think it is genuinely hard to make friends and it's like that quote that tim says in the office isn't it and this is kind of you know going against sort of rob's point but you know you spend the same uh the same hours a day walking around that square foot of off carpet a mm. day and all you've really got in common is the carpet and i've got friends like that who when you're when you meet up socially all you do is end up bitching about work and it's mm. like well that's just if that's not friendship is it that's just no it i is, agree i agree it's hard to meet your, your friends but i think stuff is so warming about carl Steve and Ricky because they spent a lot of time together they're such different personalities and they meld so well together but I don't believe it was a but they're also spiky with each other that's the thing they're not just they're not just like a big melting pot as Ricky might say in the office but it this it's a spiky loving hateful caring relation you know but that's what isn't isn't that exactly what friendship should be and is Absolutely. Well, no, you don't have to have the antagonistic bit, but to have it is fine sometimes. But they were on air as well. They understood their role as entertainers. But it was absolutely real. I, I, unlike you, I don't don't kind of, I've never had the sense like with a friend who's really close, like, oh, this is going to pass and I won't be friends with you. I've always thought, God, we're going to be friends forever. And inevitably, it's not that I've lost all my friends. I've got friends still from work to this day who are good friends, but a friendship that endures Forget all what Ricky, Steve and Carl have been through, which is uncalculable to the human brain, all the stuff they've been involved in for, to, for us, you know, to even conceive of that. But just going through a normal career, different roles within the career, because I've had an office job, as you know, for the whole time. And I've met some fantastic friends there, but some of them just drift away. So a friendship that endures, and I will use this example like ours, which is, is is one that's endured a lot of different changes for us in life has, has it not you know we've, yeah. we've it's endured and it's um that's why when we interviewed Laurie I was so it was so nice for me to hear that Carl and Steve meet up and go for lunch and go to the pub okay you probably locked down but because Ricky and you're right Rob uh Ricky and Carl are absolutely the closest if you if you did a a, a diagram be It'd be Ricky and Carl are the closest, then Ricky and Steve, and then Ricky and Carl. Uh, sorry, Carl and Steve are the least close, but they're all quite close. But it's just nice that that it's like the one you wouldn't expect 
out of all the combinations of two together, it, the least likely is Stephen and Carl. And but it's so it's nice to it's something nice about yeah. that kind of it was a real friendship and as you say friendship can be built on antagonism as well but it doesn't it doesn't have to be but they were so antagonistic that it's nice that and it's they're the ones that have endured not ricky and carl but anyway yeah it's a very really interesting email rob and uh, we probably haven't covered each individual point that you've made but it's certainly given me something to think about and uh absolutely I and this is from fojs Question for Gaza. He calls you Gaza. How about that? The working class (laughs) shortened version of Gary. Would he rather the XFM shows are what they are, 80 odd episodes we get for what we have, everything stays as it is, or the XFM shows continue to the state, say the overall quality stays on a season two level, however unlikely that is given the uh, career paths, but say it worked. So, Keep the legacy as it is, or rather have about 600 to 700 episodes. I was wondering this myself and couldn't decide. Maybe the fascination with the show is so big because it was a thing at a certain time. What do you think, Gaza? Well, hello, old friend. (laughs) Always nice to hear from FLJS. Um, It's been a while. And there's a reason it's been a while. <laughs> he might he hasn't got in touch with us, but um, yeah, he's banned, and I'm I'm not I'm not afraid to say it. Only a little light-hearted thing, but yeah, nice to hear from you again. And um, the only person who calls me Gaza is my dad, and he calls me Gaz, so I don't like being called Gaza. But that's fine. That's okay. Point you've raised. I I don't know. I was thinking about this because I've read the email a while ago. You put a very important caveat. You say, so I could easily answer and say, I want it as it is. Except you said, but the quality, as unlikely as this would be, remains the same. And if the quality was the same, so that that didn't suffer over the years, I'd probably, yeah, I'm, I lean towards maybe having six or seven hundred episodes. But, you know, it would make for a very long podcast because we'd have we'd have to... Uh, We'd have to do seven hundred episodes, but um, <laughs> yeah, just perhaps. But yeah, uh, but I think overall, it's a good question. You put the caveat in, or it would have been an obvious answer. But um, I think I still lean towards having the body of work that we've got. If you've got six hundred episodes of something that you really like, where the quality doesn't suffer, which is impossible, but if you did. You- you can't become as attached and as warm to them, even if the quality is as good, because there's so many. Whereas with uh, this set number of set 80 episodes or so, whatever it is, uh, set, we know them, we love them. We could listen to 80 episodes. You know, it's better to listen to 80 episodes each eight times or nine times than it is i think to listen to six or seven hundred episodes once you could never listen twice it just isn't enough time so i think i like there being just the body of work as it is as a sort of like a an imprint of what they were then and also a contrast point to what they are now so it's something to judge them on can i just say like that i totally agree with you by the way 
I've just recently, I'm a big fan of, you know, Alice James and John Robbins, Robbins, and they did loads of shows on, they've now moved to Five Live, but they've done loads of shows on Radio X. And there is such, but there's such a vast back catalogue that every, every episode just becomes like another Haribo suite. You know, you just eat one, you go, and then then it's gone. Then you like another Haribo suite. Whereas, like the XFM shows, they're like they're like those flight suites that you used to get. You know, you're on a you're on a long haul flight. You suck a sweet. Once you suck, say your ears don't pop. Yeah, yeah, exactly those ones. And you savor them, and you really appreciate everything about them. Very strange analogy, first of all. But yeah, I kind of get what you mean. I mean, if I were to pick one thing that was like my the, the sort of the most amazing brilliant thing that i could think of it wouldn't be those sweets you suck on an airplane but that's okay they're nice though aren't they i get your point no i get your point but another way i would explain this is i love having a roast dinner i never make one for myself because i live alone so there's no point and the potatoes get wasted but the roast dinner for the loneliest man i love a roast dinner but if i made one every day I wouldn't love it as much, even if the quality of the roast dinner was the same. I wouldn't love it as much. When you when you have so much of something, you can't you probably don't like it as much, but you also can't feel that attachment separately. And John Robbins and Ellis James, you know, this is what shows are on in the week. They have a back catalogue that's huge, at least five times as long as the Ricky Gervais show, because they're on five times as much. But yeah, Ellis uh, James and John Robbins, I think, Probably there's other reasons why they don't have the incredible emotional attachment that the XFM shows. So as much as I like them, I think there's other reasons, not just the the volume of sheer volume of, of work. But I think if the volume of work was so high, you lose that closeness to it. We 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 we're so close to the XFM show because we we know the quotes. We know I know I know what quote you're going to quote to me when we're yeah. on the phone about something before you've quoted it to me. I know your quote. Not only do I know my quote, I, well, I'm going to quote. I know, uh, it's just it's just impossible with six or seven hundred episodes. But I will give you this just to just to sum that up. Good question. Was it, it was it, it was a good question. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's on parole and he's FLJS, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. And we've got one more XFM in the community. Thank you, FLJS. Really appreciate your correspondence. No, I this... do as well. I'm just being real. There you are. You're being blasé. You do it so well. Blasé. Oh, yeah. No, this is um, from Emlyn. Emlyn says, Hi, chaps. I only recently caught up on the podcast and have a wealth of things saved up to say. So I apologise if I ramble on. It's fine, Emily. We've all been there. Well, um, Miles and I were having a conversation in the break about how much I ramble on. So, you know, <laughs> feel free. The fans of the XFM shows and other RSK content are so dedicated that I'm sure many of them have vivid memories of it throughout their lives. I'd be interested to hear your listeners' anecdotes. Of course, the Australian-Canadian couple who contacted you saying they met uh, through the show, probably take the cake when it comes oh, to so the... Mate, yeah. the oh, yeah. life. Caught you absolutely... If you meet Just... your love... Your your life partner through through the ex that is really like astounding, isn't it? Yeah, that night I went to bed and cried through sheer joys of joys of relief that there is hope that I can meet someone through this uh, <laughs> show. But no, I, that that's joke. But yeah, that is probably we won't top that anecdote. 
in an earlier episode of your podcast, you mentioned there's so many hours of RSK content that there's always more to stumble across. I've been listening to these for years now, and I remember the last time I came across content I hadn't heard before. I was in bed on the 13th of March. 2018 that's so specific i love it (laughs) i had found some mini podcasts that they recorded to advertise their guide to series carl was talking about some nonsense about brains being aliens and gave stephen hawkins brain (laughs) as an example i then woke up to the following morning to the news that stephen hawking had died on the topic of memories i found that when i think about xfm moments I associate them strongly with what I was doing for the first time I listened to them, or at least the first time while I was not in bed. <laughs> I was in, <laughs> I'm was i in bed a lot when I listen to the X of M shows. Mm-hmm. Whenever I think about it, it's not his vault. I sort of have a flashback to driving out of the Calais port in the Euro truck simulator, or when I think about Carl winning against Ricky with the lateral thinking puzzle about a lighthouse keeper. I remember being held up on a tube train for half an hour at 10pm on a Wednesday. Maybe this isn't that surprising and people who listen to music more than me as they may have some kind of experience with songs they like it's not an exaggeration to say that most of my knowledge of music comes from xfm chats rockbusters and songs of phrase i'm learning a lot more about oasis thanks to your podcast too listen to these shows all the way through has become an annual tradition for me there isn't enough content to last me throughout the whole year but the night of the first january is always steve just back announce that for us day one theory i have about xfm is that carl typed y into a computer after he watched an episode of the prisoner where uh, this was a plot point oh i've never watched the prisoner um we know that carl is aware of the prisoner because he uses its uh film location as a point of reference where explaining where port maddock is i always enjoy fan content from the xfm community so thanks for the podcast guys and um emmeline has also attached a rockbusters clue which is exactly the same rockbusters clue as we've had actually previous which is all oh, right what is it which is the jamaican fella sees one praying cow a l can you get it this time again gary uh is it annie lennox it's a kneeling ox. A kneeling ox. A Annie kneeling Lennox. Ox. I think I think we've had someone similar to that. I don't think we've had that exact one. Can I just say, um, Emlyn, I totally resonate with your email. I love how people resonate with um certain certain episodes at particular point of reference in their lives and I, I i do exactly the same thing yeah i i do as well and i it's yeah, but that's a really interesting point no no one's made it um but yeah it's kind of it stares you in the face really you 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 don't just when you hear an xfm clip you're not just it doesn't take you back to the xfm days uh, it doesn't just take you back to the xfm days it takes you back to where you were and i love your i'm trying to think of examples i i think i heard most of the shows just in a boring way the shows weren't boring but i was just in my flat so there's nothing that really stands out but yeah um definitely in general kind of the way a memory sparked by and i find it sparked by smell more than any other memory i mean we're getting on to a bit broader memories here but smell can kind of take you back not just to a memory but to where you were in a particular place and time not just the memory of the smell 
Um, I can imagine it does it with the XFM shows. But, uh, you know, overall, Lemlin, thanks so much for your email. Really interesting point. Again, nice and different. It's made me think, try and think of some examples of where I was when I remember specific bits of the show when I first, because I first heard them then. If any of our listeners have got any good examples, that's a great thing to go out to listeners with. Thank you, Emlyn. Name a memory from the show or a piece of audio from the show and where does it take you back to? That would be really interesting to find out. And uh, thanks for getting in touch. And that wraps up our XFM segments. That's done. That's wrapped. That's wrapped up in a nice little bow, which is appropriate because we're now approaching Christmas time. Mr. To and when. Someone put, did you uh, see Chris Rea tweeted? He actually. It was I like, know, I saw it, that tweet. I, that was marvellous. I've, I've, luckily, I haven't stocked up with petrol or something. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. And also, if you do, if you do uh, Detroiters, if you want a Christmas recommendation, may I suggest uh, Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse go fishing on the BBC iPlayer? Fantastic. Fantastic yeah. uh, Christmas telly uh, alongside your Muppets Christmas Carol and everything. That show is the very definition of humour and warm together it, it couldn't be more humorous and warm it's just such a nice combination chris, when you fuck off chris when you fuck off yeah again lovely it's the most amazing <laughs> anyway you know, um, wrap us up as we take you into your christmas day experience whoever you're with whoever you're with however how you are celebrating um we would like to give you a little gift of our songs which we will insert into our d chat spinners library which is where gary and i each week select a song and we put it into our spotify playlist which we always include in our um, description to the episode gary this week what are you selecting what kind of festive choice are you going to choose for our listeners so imagine the scene you're there you've just had the turkey you know you've had your first argument of the day you've well, wrapped, gonna... all your disappointing present um this is not just because it's so profound but mainly because i can't i haven't thought of one again but no no there is one i want to put in i don't know the name of this song but it's instantly recognizable and i do want it in because it's it means a lot to kind of us and our relationship and our friendship it is the theme tune from the magic roundabout i want that on our steve spinners library because it's it means that it's 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 our it used to be our intro music it's kind of it always every time i hear it, it takes and that's an example of what emlyn was uh saying you know that takes me back to being at coastway studio hearing that sound of being just ready just about to speak on on mic so yeah that's what i'm putting in this christmas as christmas is a time for reflection so i thought i would reflect and also i couldn't be bothered to think of one mate but <laughs> what's yours um my one's actually can be a bit bleaker because i wanted to go for that i love that by the way i wanted to go for last christmas by george michael but i i didn't really want to do that because you've already put in that mariah carey song but yeah. i do love george michael we were talking about tom cruise earlier and he didn't seem the kind of person who would do that george michael absolutely i am guarantee a hundred percent would never have well as close as i can get to would never do that tom cruise kind of seemed like he wouldn't but he did it anyway but george michael would never do something like that like he's he seems like not just a great musical artist very talented just a genuinely nice guy and a very a troubled guy as well absolutely so i'm gonna choose they won't go when i go 
which is like an underrated George Michael song, but I, I highly suggest it. Guys, th- this has been your D-Trout Spinners the uh, one Christmas ever. special. The longest one ever. Nothing particularly festive about it. It's going to be an absolute nightmare to edit, and that's fine. Uh, Gary, are you looking forward to Christmas? What are your Christmas plans? Not really. I mean, we've talked about this. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go and see our mutual fr- two mutual friends that are mutual with you. Um, neither of them really celebrate Christmas. And Sounds great. So I'm not having a meal or anything. I'm just going to go to there and maybe some snacks at Pete's because he likes to lay out a little dish or two. <laughs> he does. And, uh, you know, a bit of wine and uh, then get the taxi over to Millie's and get a taxi back to my flat when Mars would have walked. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's just one of those days I, I'd be happy when it's over, to be honest. I don't I don't particularly like it. I, just, I choose not to see family, but for various reasons to do with my family. The, the, I get on with my mum, my dad, grandma, but there's there's a no, 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 I like to caveat that. But there's there's a particular reason I, I can't go up. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. What about you? Because I, I know you were and um, we're recording this. Well, I'm in Brighton, you're in London, but you were going to be in Ipswich now. What's well, happened, mate? Going to be on my own, mate. Yeah. Be, be no, we're going to Skype, so we'll sort of. No, we'll we'll, we'll Skype. I've got I've got you know one or two friends that I can <laughs> Skype with. No, I'm going to be at home. I'm going to make a nice roasted on my own, and I'm going to chill out, watch some films, do a bit of writing, do some podcasting with you. Like I said, keep the people at home entertained whilst they're around their table arguing like nutters. Yeah, I, I I'm actually looking forward to. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to Christmas in a weird way. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll just be a break for you. It's like the one day a year where you... Re- I mean, for me, I have always feel like I should be doing bits of work here and that on my uni stuff. But on Christmas Day, it's like, kind of don't feel you have to. You, you get like a free break and it's it's nice. But it's sad, like both of us probably aren't doing what we ideally would. I'd ideally like just me, my grandma, Freddie, just us three. You'd like you and your mum and your sister and just but but they were in London, so you didn't have to travel. Do you know what I mean? We've all got ideal yeah. versions of Christmas, but it, all, all of our not just ideal versions, but even mildly OK versions have been crushed because of Covid. So, yeah, we're both so shit, a- shit year this year. And hopefully yeah, it'll be better next year. And this year. And shit, yeah. Well. So leaves. And um, no, I, I think it, I think it will be. I think stay positive, guys. Look after yourselves. Have a happy Christmas. I just want to say a really happy. Yeah, because genuinely, like you, you are. You know, your plans have been extremely changed. I know you're saying you're okay. I hope you are okay about them. It's a very difficult time of year because it's such a important to a lot of people so really do take care of yourselves this christmas there will be some of you spending it alone probably because of covid like mars we will be here around christmas and between like uh, between christmas and new year with different podcasts we're going to put stuff out boxing day hopefully so yeah just but just as mars said and i can only echo that stay safe stay well that doesn't just mean your physical health but your mental health as well so take care of yourselves and each other as they said on some program at this time and and let us know we we want to kind of spend the christmas with you in in some ways so uh you know you're not alone and you and one thing our listeners feel i think and this is a real thing we all find we're never alone when we've got an xfm ricky gervais episode to listen to and it's true you're never alone what lovely sentiment to end on uh guys do uh, email us spinnerspodcast at gmail.com or spinnerspodcast on twitter have a merry christmas guys and uh we'll stay yeah. in touch and uh we'll, we'll be 
<laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and, and um and there'll be a new show very soon. Bye bye. See ya. Fucking hell. <laughs>